Truth Revolution. Hey, welcome to Truth Revolution. Glad you're joining us again today. You know, Pastor Dave, my co-host, he is gone. He is locked away. We quarantined him, not because of COVID. We just didn't want to be around him for a while. Just kidding. But uh, anyway, today we got a special guest as we continue our series on spiritual habits. This is Dr. Chuck Lawless. He is professor of evangelism and missions, the dean of doctoral studies, and the vice president for spiritual formation at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And in addition to his duties at Southeastern, he also serves as team leader for theological education strategist for the International Mission Board. He previously served as vice president for global theological advance for IMB. Prior to that, he was the Dean of Billy Graham School of Missions and Evangelism at Southern Seminary. He's also served as the pastor of two Ohio churches and recently helped me refine my sermon skills as we met one-on-one a number of times to go over my sermons. Dr. Lawless, it's always been great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us today. It's great to be with you. I look forward to the conversation. Yeah, so we've been talking about spiritual habits and you know, we talk about Bible reading, fasting, prayer, community, different things like that. And I just want to jump right in. Let's start off the bat with Bible reading. Um, we want to know not just, you know, what's the pie in the sky idea, but when you're at home, I mean, the, so the, the Dean of Doctoral Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, I mean, that's, that seems like a huge deal, and it is a big deal. So what, what, for Bible study at home by yourself, what do you do? Yeah, I wish I could say to you that the day I became a Christian, I, I knew how to do this well, and I've done it well all my life. That would be, uh, frankly, a lie. Hmm. Uh, and and for a number of reasons, not the least of which, and I think this is important for all of us to think about as church leaders, is, is so many churches tell us what we need to do, but they don't teach us how to do it. Hmm. Uh and ever, whenever we're told to do something, but we're not taught how to do it, we're set up for failure. And so I, I chose to follow Christ at age 13. My church told me to start reading the Bible, and that was brand new to me. I'd never, I never read the Bible at all, didn't know any of the stories. And I'll, I'll tell you, the first book of the Bible, Genesis, was fascinating to me. Uh, Exodus was fascinating to me because... Uh, Seas were rolling back and mountains were quaking and Egyptians were drowning and all the things happening in that in that book. And then I got to Leviticus and I had no idea what to do with that book. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I honestly, I just quit reading because I didn't know you could skip the book and read another one. <laughs> uh, I, just, I didn't know any better. Sure. And so uh, much of my Christian walk, I've I've tried to figure out how to how to make this work and honestly jeff i've tried about every method uh out there over the years i've I've tried i'm going to get up at 5 a.m every morning to 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 read and that lasted about one day sometimes (laughs) and but i i developed a strategy a number of years ago now i don't even know how long ago now it was but it's been a strategy that's been very life-giving to to me uh and I'd love to just tell you what that is, if, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us what it is. I want to know, so I'm sure our listeners want to know, because Bible reading can be really frustrating, even for pastors, uh, even for deans of seminaries. Yeah, it, it can be. Uh, and I don't want to to claim that this is the perfect method, but I will tell you it has really been uh, important for me. So here's here's my general strategy. Uh First of all, 
uh, let me give this caveat. I decided a number of years ago that I was less concerned about when I read my Bible every day than I was about making sure that I, I did read it every day. Mm. Uh, some of my own understanding early on was that you had to do it always early in the morning. If you yeah. didn't do it early in the morning, you weren't spiritual. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, re- I read I, these books, you know, like uh, George Mueller, Hudson Taylor. You know, they got up at yeah. three in the morning to read their Bibles every day. Yeah, and I wish I could do that. It's just not happening. <laughs> uh, and so, and with my schedule too. Now, obviously it's changed during COVID, but my schedule is usually quite hectic. I don't even know what time zone I'll be in some days. Uh, and so I just made the decision that I don't care when my Bible study happens. I just want it to happen at some point during mm. the day. And most of the time, my my deeper Bible reading is now later in the evening. It's just the, the time when I have more uh, attentiveness, more time to do it. And it and it just works well for me. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's helpful to me. Uh, the other thing I do though, if I'm not going to read the scriptures till later in the day, I I have sent to me in the morning, very early in the morning, in my inbox, I have a a verse of the day sent mm. to me. And and honestly, I don't even know where I got it. I just did a Google search for Bible verse of the day and signed up for a, a subscription. And so every morning I have that in front of me. And here's why that's important to me. I don't want to wait until the end of the day to to at least read something from the Word. Mm. I want to start the day there, and this verse of the day is right there in front of me. When I pick up my phone early in the morning and check emails, it's staring me in the face. I can stop for a few moments, read the Word, meditate on it, and I and I leave it in my inbox all day long so that as I check emails throughout the day, I can read it again, and sometimes, depending on the length of the verse, you wind up memorizing it just because you read it enough. That's a good during idea. The, during the day, so that helps me to at least turn my heart toward God, even though it's usually later in the day when I do the the stronger study. That's good. So, with those with those understandings in place, here's here's the strategy. I every year adopt a Bible reading plan. My goal every year is to read through the entirety of the Scriptures. I don't think it has to happen that way. Uh, you can read through the entirety of the scriptures by reading about three and a half chapters a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, some chapters are a lot longer, so it takes a little longer uh, that day. What I encourage folks to do is at least read through the Bible every other year. Mm-hmm. I think we can all do that. So, uh, But I, I adopt a reading plan, and here's why. I need to know today what I'm reading tomorrow. I want to know today what I need to read tomorrow okay. because if I wait until tomorrow to figure out what I want to read, then by the time I figure it out where I want to read, something else will already get in the way. So yeah. I, I want to wake up with, I know this is my reading for tomorrow. Uh, and that's been really helpful to me. That's then, actually that's actually really and, good if I can interrupt just because sure. we actually face this thing called the or I'm going to call it the paralyzation of choice. So yes. my brother used to work for a company that makes uh, websites for car dealerships. They had thousands of them. And what they found out is at the bottom, if, if you're looking at a car at the bottom of the, the car list, if there was a contact me button, learn more button, buy now button, and you know some options that they could choose, the sales would be lower than if there was only mm-hmm. one button and it said, buy the car now. 
their sales would be higher if there's only one choice. And so I started studying this and I found out a lot of times the truth is if we have more choices, we're less likely to follow through. Yep, so yep. I love if you know what you're going to do already and you don't have to actually make that choice, you're more likely to read it already. I'm, I'm right with you on that. So that's that's been really helpful to me. Then I, I buy a new study Bible every year. Hmm. Uh, I buy a study Bible and I, I often get different versions. I like some better than others. Uh, but here's why I want the, the study Bible. I, even as a pastor, as a seminary professor, I, I need the study notes sometimes to remember the history, to know the pronunciation, to get the background. Uh, and so I, I want that at hand in front of me, but I don't want so many notes and I don't want to have to run to a commentary every time I have a question because I know myself well enough to know that I could get bogged down in reading another book and the scriptures become less significant for me. Yeah. So the, the study Bible helps me. It gives me just enough information that I can keep reading and keep my focus on the, on the scriptures. Mm. So I've got my, my study Bible in front of me. I know what I'm going to read. And then here's what's been really helpful to me. Every year I, I pray about, I talk with folks about determining three or four or five topics that I really want to learn about and focus on in my reading through this year. Oh. Uh, and that'll vary. Uh, I have a, a study Bible in front of me that I used a couple of years ago. And uh, this particular year, I actually did one, two, three. I actually did uh, seven topics, which frankly was was too many. Hmm. But but what I do is on the inside cover of my Bible, I I state this is what I'm looking for. And here's the color that I'm going to highlight. Oh, And so this year I was looking for spiritual warfare, which is my primary area of study. So I would open up the scriptures, read them each day. Every place where the scriptures said something about spiritual warfare, I would pick up my green marker and, and highlight it. Um, That's good. <laughs> I did the Holy Spirit this year. I did marriage this year. Uh, I did judgment this year. Uh, this year, I also did the word, meaning I watch for every time the Bible says something like the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah mm. or the Lord said. Uh, <laughs> and I watch for how many times the Bible speaks about God speaking to us. And, and that was really important to me because I'd been on the on the mission field and I'd seen people speaking to to gods who couldn't hear them and couldn't speak to them. Wow. That's not our God. Our God is a God who communicates with us. And so every time you see this, and it happens thousands of times in the scripture where we're told God communicates with us. Uh, I'd pick up, in this case, my, my purple marker and, and highlight that. And, and what I did throughout this year is every time I saw that, I would just stop and say, Lord, thank you for being a God who communicates. Thank wow. you for being a God who who speaks to us. Uh, same thing with, with marriage as I work through it this year. And every time I come upon a text about marriage, I know I'm not the perfect husband. And so sometimes it's convicting. Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it calls for confession. And so I'll just say, Lord, I see this, this mandate, this standard of marriage, mm. and I don't always get there. I don't always love Pam like Christ loves the church. And so Father, forgive me and help me. And so I open the word 
I know what I'm looking for. I get to highlight multiple times through the reading. Every time I get to highlight something, I can give pause, think about it, thank the Lord for teaching me something. And at the end of the year, I have a study Bible with, in this case, every scripture about spiritual warfare and the other topics I've noted already highlighted. That's pretty awesome. Uh, and so it becomes a, a resource for me uh, that, that just becomes really helpful. And, so and I a think couple other, go a ahead. A couple of questions on that. So yeah. when you have, you know, whatever it is, three or four different topics and you're reading through, you'll have all of those. You don't mean you'll read it through once for green and another time for purple. You mean you'll have those, all those colors and those three or four topics in your mind at the same time as you're going yeah. through. Yeah, and that and that's right. And the more okay. the longer you get into the year, the more you're accustomed to that. In fact, I've I've had some of my students do this with me, and the the markers I use actually you click them open, and so it's just fun to to right, you put the the purple marker down, you pick up the green marker, and you click it open because the Lord <laughs> showed you something else. And then the, I also use yellow every year, and yellow is for everything else cool in the Bible that catches my attention. <laughs> that's uh, cool. So it may not be one of my four or five topics, but the Lord speaks to me about something else I just need to hold on to. And so I, the fun for me in this is I go to the scriptures believing God has something to teach me. And it's not always the same amount every day. Sometimes it may cover one or two topics. Sometimes it's all five or six topics, depending on how many I'm doing. Uh, it depends on what book it is. But I, I love the, the dialogical approach to, Lord, show me something and let me talk to you in turn from what you're, from what you're teaching me. Yeah. So I, I find the time when I do it. I've got my study Bible in front of me. I know what I'm looking for. And I think about other things that I've not mentioned. One year I did, I did idolatry. Hmm. Um, and you read through the Old Testament. By the time I got through the Old Testament, I had depleted three orange markers uh, wow. Because because that's the story of the Hebrews. Yeah. And and it's my story. And so I came out of the Old Testament thinking, sometimes I do the same thing. I have <laughs> idols that I turn from and I go back to. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I'm just fascinated by this because I'm imagining you opening up one of your Bibles a few years later after you've done this. And like, so like last night when I was reading mine and I was using my phone, I came into Psalm 39 and I had I was reading and I came to this highlighted spot. Lord, show me my life's end and the number of days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. And I highlighted that sometime yeah. in the past. And I'm so I sat there for a while and I thought, wow, I wonder what I was going through that encouraged me to highlight that. Yeah, but that's right. your method is in, in some ways, I, I think, better because if I were to pick up that older Bible and flip it open, I would know why I highlighted it. You know, what is the meaning of that highlight? And, uh, and, and not only is it, you know, not digital, uh, which there's a lot of advantages to digital stuff, but you have this actual Bible there that you can look back and go, this is my Bible. It talks about idolatry and marriage and yes. this. Uh, it's, it's, wow, that's just so great. I, I love that and, idea. And I've done this long enough now. I have a shelf full of, of Bibles like that. Hmm. And, and to be honest, Jeff, Pam and I don't have, children we married later in life and um but if we if we had children i would love to be able to hand to my children my completely marked up worn out bibles yeah to to say this is this is your heritage from your daddy 
Well, you know, there's a, uh, uh, an old pastor, he's passed away now, uh, but I used to stay at his house when I'd go to some conferences, and he gave me one of his old Bibles. Mm. And I loved to look through there and go, this man was, he wasn't famous, but he was faithful. Yeah. And I love to look through there and see what he wrote and see what he highlighted. So who knows who could end up with some of your Bibles and, and who you might give them to and what it might do for them. Yeah, let me, let me give you the final step for me that yeah. has become equally important to me. Uh, some years ago, I started sending to three or four guys and to my wife. Most of the guys were guys that I had been investing in. Uh, and I included Pam on the list, I would send them an email after I finished my reading to say, here's what I read today. Here's what the Lord's showing me. Here's how you can pray for me. Hmm. And, it, and it didn't take a long time to do that. It doesn't take a long time to do that. I can write a brief summary. And I did it honestly because I wanted them to hold themselves accountable to me for my for their reading. So I thought if I model it for them, they'll pick up that and they'll do the same thing. Well, that, that didn't always happen. Mm. But but for me, it became a way of recording what I'm learning. Uh, it became a way of journaling, even though I'm not a journaler. Um, and ultimately, it has now evolved into, I, I use it to write a daily devotion that I put on my website and folks subscribe to uh, read the word with me. Wow. And so it's everything from, I know what I'm going to read, do I want to make sure that I'm, I'm showing somebody else what I'm learning with accountability? Uh, and so I'm immediately teaching somebody else uh, and confessing when needed and asking for prayer when needed. And that whole process for me has, has changed me in such a way that I honestly cannot envision. I can't imagine going through the day without reading the word. Uh, mm. There were days in the past when I would I would not read at all. I knew I should, but I didn't. I not, nothing was working. That's not the case anymore. I I cannot even fathom going through the day without spending some time listening to the Lord through His Word. Wow, that's really that's really great. I love that method. It's fascinating to me. Uh, I. It reminds me of, we had Dr. Hugh Ross on the show, and he went through some of his spiritual practices. And uh, one of the things he said that he did was when uh, someone sent him a question that he didn't know the answer to, like, hey, what, what does God say about this? He would sit down and spend two or three days going through the Bible fairly quickly, hmm. going through the whole Bible and jotting down notes. So he would get an entire Bible view of that topic uh, in, in a quick way. Yours is very similar, but it's, I, I feel like it's deeper, more methodical, and you're tackling multiple subjects in a year. So it, that's, it's really interesting how you both kind of did that just in different ways. Yeah, that's a, that's a fascinating uh, approach from, from Dr. Ross as well. Yeah. The, the other thing I would say is, is I, have, uh, I have friends now uh, who are doing the email method when they're, they're reading I have a, a student minister here in our state who sends his emails to all of his students so they know that he's he's reading. I have a colleague here who sends his emails to his adult children, mm. and, and he told them up front, uh, Daddy wants to send these to you. You can always hit the delete button, but uh, if if you take the time to read them, uh, I'll still have an opportunity to, to speak into your lives a little bit. Mm. So all of us have 
all of us have somebody that we could send an email to, just a short email. This is what I read. This is what I learned. Please pray for me. That's we great. can we can all do that, and that holds us accountable and forces us to summarize what we're what we're learning. That's good. Let me ask you this question. You know, sometimes as a pastor, um, it's easy to fall into the trap of saying, "Yeah, I've I've done my Bible reading for the day." You know, as I'm writing a sermon. And a lot of my interaction with the Lord becomes professional rather than personal. Mm -hmm. um, do you ever find that is the case if you're blogging on what you write or sending email each time? Or is it different? Yeah, no, there are days when I think it's late in the day and I'm tired and I have to make a decision. <laughs> All right, if I don't do this, and that's part of the part of the uh, the help that writing this devotion brings to me that I know now that if I don't do it, there will be a bunch of people who are wondering why they didn't get my devotion. Uh, and so that does add some weightiness to this. But I'll, I'll tell you what I experienced, though, is even in those weary times, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because I feel like I have to, the Word is still the Word, and, and the Lord still works through it. And uh, He still shows me something that says, wow, Lord, I'm tired, but but thank you for at least letting me see that. Hmm. So uh, there are times when I, I, I have to check the box off, but but because of the way I do this, I still have my markers out. I still, I'm still looking for what the Lord might teach me. I'm still looking for those yellow things that are just other great things in the scriptures. It's, it still becomes meaningful to me. Hmm. That's awesome. You know, just thinking about your experience at a seminary, you've led a lot of other people. You've taught pastors, you've taught missionaries. Um, and, and I know you don't have children of your own there, but what it, I really like the advice you have about do it when you can. It doesn't have to be in the morning. It doesn't have to be. Uh, just in your experience talking to other people, um, what do you say to people who are really busy from the time they get up till the time they go to bed? You know, maybe it's the kids running around all the time. Maybe it's a job that takes 12 hours a day. I don't know. Do you have advice for someone like that? Yeah, I, I would say the, the way I describe, here's my formula for, for Bible study. Here's what I look for with Bible study. This is what I teach to my students. This is what I teach to our outgoing missionaries. My formula is this, is consistency plus quality, plus accountability are greater than quantity. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say that again. Consistency plus quality plus accountability are greater than quantity. And what okay. I mean by that is I want you reading consistently. And for me, that does mean daily. Now, I'll come back to that in a minute. I want you reading with some level of quality so you're not just skimming. It doesn't mean that you're opening commentaries, you're developing sermons right then, but you're at least reading with some level of intentionality and then accountability. So I'm, I'm letting somebody know what I'm doing. And if I can get you to read one chapter a day and you read it with some depth and you, and you hold yourself accountable to that, that's more important to me than you reading five chapters a day that you just skim. Mm. Because I know this, if if you spend one chapter a day reading somewhat deeply and holding yourself accountable, you're much more likely to want to read two chapters a day. Mm. And if I can get you started somewhere, 
then that's that's the beginning point. The the other thing that I that I talk a lot about is using our our ten minute segments wisely. Um, we're all busy. Mm-hmm. I, I work three jobs basically, uh, and I thought every role that I would take that was new that life would slow down, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, until the Lord calls me home. So it's just busyness is a part of life. But what I think we have to think about is, all right, when do we find the time to do this? And and my point is that find 10-minute segments when we're likely to do something else. We're going to go check social media. We're going to check Netflix. We're going to uh, go grab a snack. And none of those things is wrong. But I think we all can find 10-minute times during the day where we can open up the Word and read at least a portion. Mm. And if you do that a couple of times a day, there's, there's 20 minutes of reading, and you can, you can get a lot of reading done in, in 20 minutes. That's true. Um, even, Jeff, even with prayer, I teach a lot of my classes I teach at Southeastern are what we call intensives. They meet for eight hours a day for, for five days. So we're, we're together for a long time. And I'll, I'll take typically the first day of class, maybe the second day of class and six times during the day spread out over the the eight hours, six times during the day, I'll ask the students to pray for 10 minutes and I'll direct them 10 minutes. I want you to pray for your family. I want you to pray for missionaries. I want you to pray for your neighbors. I want you to pray for your pastors and whatever else we add to that. So six times throughout the day, 10 minutes of time, we pray. We go home, come back the next day, and I ask them, how long did we pray together yesterday? And they computed in their head 10 minutes of time, six times. <laughs> wow, Dr. Lawless, we, we prayed an hour yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And I ask them, when's the last time that you prayed for an hour in a day? And for many of them, even, even students preparing for ministry, they've never done that. Yeah. Uh, because... Because we have this impression that 60 consecutive minutes are somehow more spiritual than 60 minutes spread throughout the day. And while I recognize that concentrated times are really helpful, I'm not convinced that doing it all in an hour and not praying again through the rest of the day is more effective than praying throughout the day. Mm. And it simply winds up being about an hour. That's yeah, that's that's so true. And, and I mean, not even to to mention the the fact, like you said with the Bible reading with with prayer, nobody started by praying an hour at a time. That's right. I mean, you just don't do that. You, you have to start by praying for a minute, ten minutes, yep. then fifteen minutes. <clears throat> so I, I, uh, you know, we, is there anything else you want to say in the Bible? Because you kind of transition into prayer. I, I yeah, do want to talk no, no, about let's that. transition. That's good. Yeah. So your own personal prayer life, do you connect that with your Bible reading usually, or is it something different? I, first of all, I do that in the way that I just described so that my Bible really, really does become a conversation with, with God. I, I read his word. He shows me something. Um, I thank him for that. I respond to that. If it means confession, if it's gratitude for a promise, uh, if it's an area of my life that I really need to work on, it's just an ongoing conversation, which which also makes the reading 
a lot more enjoyable uh, mm. because it really does become God speaks to us and we get to speak to him. Uh, but I also have time, uh, and this I typically do in the morning when I'm when I'm running uh, or walking on the treadmill. I do have that, that early time where I particularly uh, want to start the day honoring the Lord. Uh, I want to uh, praise him. And I, I typically will walk through every day praying for non-believing family members, praying for my our leadership team here at Southeastern, my team through the International Mission Board, uh, our family, those folks that I pray for every, every day. Uh, so for that 30 minutes or so when I'm running or walking, uh, that's, that's just an ongoing conversation with the Lord in prayer. Mm-hmm. And then, then throughout the day, uh, the 10-minute segments are still important to me. If, if my heart is just broken over, over a wayward friend and it's just consuming me, I'll, I'll just stop and pray and ask the Lord, do, do something. Sometimes, uh, a couple of weeks ago, this is my office at the seminar, I just, I just lay on the floor. Mm. Uh, Lord, you need, I have no idea what to do here. So I I need you to, to do something. That's good. So it, it would not be the case that I set aside an hour to pray with those 60 consecutive minutes. But throughout the day, beginning with that early morning praying as I, as I run, and then throughout the day, and then at night when I'm doing my Bible study and that dialogical uh, Bible study, prayer, I trust, I hope, becomes a part of, of who I am. Okay. We're going to pick this up on the other side of the break. TruthRevolution.tv if you're listening on the radio. Don't miss it. We're finish this. We're going to hit some other topics, community, uh, fasting, and whatnot. We'll be right back. Check us out online at truthrevolution.tv. If you're watching on YouTube, stick with us. Truth Revolution. Okay, so we are back now, Dr. Lawless. So you don't do a typical whole hour-long thing like that. Do you have a... So how, how do you stay focused? Like when you're running and you're praying, how do you... I, mean, I know for me, when I do my prayer, um, I do have a sit-down time. But I have to, I call it journaling, but it's not really journaling. I write a sentence or two sentences about, hey, this is what I'm praying about right now, Lord. And then I'll talk to God about it. And when my mind wanders, I look back, what was I? Oh, yeah, I'm praying about this. And, uh, you know, maybe it's because I have ADD. Maybe you don't lose focus. But how do, how do you help stay focused while you pray? Yeah, it's not easy for anybody. And I think we all have to find the method that works for us. Um, that's why I, I sometimes struggle with folks who say, this is the way you have to do it. Because yeah. what works for you may not be the way that works for me. And the Lord uh, teaches us and works through us all in different ways. But a couple of things help me in, in staying focused. One, I, I know those recurrent prayer needs that I that I want to take to the Lord each day, particularly on behalf of non-believers and the folks that I work with and supervise those mm-hmm. and the, the folks at my church where I'm interim pastor, our pastoral team. Uh, those are the folks I just want to know that I have prayed for them. And so I've done that long enough to know here are the folks, here are the names. My burden is still the same each day and, until the Lord saves them. So that helps me. But I also think in terms, Jeff, of not unlike I do the my Bible study, I'll, I'll think about each day of the week, what do I really want to focus on? 
So it might be that on Monday, I really want to focus on my neighbors mm. that, that need to follow Christ. On Tuesday, I really want to focus on the faculty here at Southeastern. Or Wednesday, it might be, I want to pray for the small group leaders in my church. And that'll vary each each week. But if I have a sense tonight about what I really want to pray about tomorrow, then then that helps me. It helps me to stay focused because I know what I want to cover. Hmm. What, what I had to learn is that you don't have to pray about every single thing every single day. <laughs> uh, I, as a young believer, that's all I understood. And so it, it felt like my prayers were simply repetitive every day. And I felt guilty if I didn't cover everything. Yeah. Well, now I think more in terms of, Lord, I want to cover as much as I can in the course of a week. Uh, this day, this is a different focus. Yes, there are, there are needs I regularly pray for, but this is a different focus this day, a different focus this day. And and I still have the freedom. I mean, if somebody comes to me and says, look, I'm going to have surgery next week. Can you pray for me? I'm not going to say, sorry, that's scheduled for next Tuesday. <laughs> I'm, I'm obviously going to pray for them right then. And yeah. so it works itself out. Having the focus and the intentionality are, are really important to me. Yeah, that's great. Uh, one of the phrases we use at our church is consistence and persistence brings God's assistance. You know, talk. I, I like it. Jesus uses that parable of the the widow who wouldn't give up with the unjust judge, and how she had that persistence and she was consistent. and And so we do want to have these times where we're saying, you know what, this is something I'm praying about, and I'm not giving up until God's answered. But but I think it's important to note what you just noted that that's not necessarily every single thing we're praying about. That's I mean, right. When the widow yeah. brought her request to the judge, she wasn't coming with 500 things. She had one thing. Yeah, that's right. And preceding that, that story is, is the gospel writer saying Jesus spoke these words that his disciples would keep praying and not give up. Yeah. Well, that's, that's important to me because what that says is even Jesus' disciples were going to struggle with praying consistently, and they learned how to pray at the feet of the master. So you can learn from the greatest teacher, and prayer still becomes difficult because we as fallen human beings, we do not default into dependence on God. We we default into independence, yeah. and independence gets in the way of our praying. <laughs> That's true. Awesome. All right, let's uh, let's move on from prayer now, if that's okay. Um, sure. I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about fasting. Mm -hmm. Some people do a lot with fasting. Some people rarely touch it. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience of fasting, what you think about it. Yeah, I, I believe, looking at uh, Matthew 6, where Jesus says, when you pray, do this. When you give, you do this. When you fast, you do it this way. Uh, and when I read that we pray this way, we give this way, we fast this way, well, we don't debate whether or not we should be praying. We don't debate whether or not we ought to be giving. We do, for some reason, debate whether or not we ought to be fasting. I think, frankly, that comes down to hungry bellies. Yeah. Uh, and so I think Jesus assumed that we would be fasting. I, I agree with, with John Piper that, that fasting, reading out of, out of Matthew 9, that fasting is about longing for the bridegroom. Uh, to to come 
it's 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 a matter of longing for Christ more than we long to feed our faces, uh, and and I think I think we have to get there. That Lord, I want you more than anything. I heard a seminary professor say years ago that that fasting is about wanting to feast at God's table more than feasting at our at our table, mm. and that makes sense to me. So my my pattern is. I, I build into my life one day a month that is a, a day set aside for fasting. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes I'll do more than one day, sometimes uh, one day consecutively, sometimes it'll be a couple of one days throughout the, the month. If something particularly comes up, I just need to, I just sense a need to focus on the Lord. But, but I at least want to have a day uh, each month where Lord, I just want to long for you more than anything today. And and what happens is uh, when you when you fast, sometimes God helps you see your other idols. So if I if I because I'm hungry and I'm fasting, rather than eat, I choose to run to the television. Uh, <laughs> then I'm just turned to another god. Yeah. Um, or if. If at the end of the day, because I'm hungry, I get short with my wife and and my temper gets elevated, then fasting has just shown what my heart really is about. Mm. And so so it it's a way to say, Lord, I want to long for you and I want to I want to walk with you. Um, and I think it's important to build that regularly into our lives. Some folks I know, uh, I have a, a a friend, he and his wife fast every Friday for their children and their grandchildren. Hmm. And also their children and grandchildren are walking with the Lord, but they, they fast and pray for them, that they'll continue to do that. Uh, my pattern is one day a month at a, at a minimum. I'm careful when I do that. Uh, I think it's wise to, to think about a schedule. If, if I know that I'm going to have a family reunion with my wife's family, uh, this coming Saturday, and I've decided to fast this coming Saturday, that's probably not very smart. Right. Or when our trustees come here to our campus, we meet for a couple of days and we eat most of the time. So uh, if I'm not eating with them, <laughs> it almost becomes arrogant yeah. to say, what am I going to say to them? Sorry, I'm longing for the Lord today uh, <laughs> while, while we're meeting. So it's just not the best time to, to fast. I need to find a different time that yeah. is in some ways more convenient, but certainly wiser to, to do that. So it varies each month according to my schedule. That's good. And what does your specific fast look like? For example, we heard from Dr. Clay Jones, and he actually fasts. He, he eats breakfast, and then he starts his fast after breakfast until after breakfast the next morning. Um, I always thought you were supposed to start after dinner and go until after, you know, until bedtime the next day. Uh, different people do it different ways. How, how do you usually do that? Yeah, my pattern is usually after dinner until and through the next day, yeah. actually. So I'll go the full 24 hours without, without eating. Uh, if I extend that another day or two, then sometimes that happens. But I, I usually, on the days that I'm fasting, I don't, I don't eat at all. I drink a lot of water, a lot mm-hmm. of fluid, uh, but uh, I usually don't eat at all that day. Okay. Yeah. That's fairly similar to what I do as well. 
So, and then you mentioned that you have some friends who fast and pray for their children. Um, you talked about fasting being to, to desire the Lord more than you desire your own food. Um, how, how do you handle those two things? Do you, do you think it's better to fast simply to be with the Lord or to fast for a purpose, to ask God to do something? I, I think it's both and. I think if we're fasting only because we need the Lord to do something, while I don't think that's wrong, uh, but, I, but I want us to frame that in terms of just as we pray in Jesus' name, there's not a magical formula in saying in Jesus' name at the end of a in, at the end of a prayer. To pray in Jesus' name means I want to pray in accordance with your will. Yeah. Well, Lord, as I'm fasting and seeking you about this need, I, I want to seek you and your will. This is this is what I want. But if this is not what you want, I need you to show that to me, even while I'm fasting for some kind of answer. So I think there are times when our burdens are so great, Jeff, that um, food becomes almost a, a an afterthought. Mm. That our hearts are so broken, our mind is so focused that we just carry the the burden. I think I think the danger we face then is that we carry the burden on our own. I think God gave us fasting as a means by which we can we can focus on him and take that burden to him. And no, we're not eating, but but it's largely because we're so consumed with the need that we don't even think about eating. And and that's okay because we're focusing on God and seeking his will and his direction. There, there are other times when life is going great, it seems, and the Lord is blessing. I think it's still wise to say, I'm going to build fasting into my life. Because even though even though everything's going great today, that doesn't mean the bottom's not going to fall out next week. Yeah. And and I'll, I want to be equally dependent on the Lord in the good times and in the, in the rough times. That's good. All right, let's touch on community. Uh, not everybody lists community in their list of spiritual habits. Uh, I do. I, I like to to think of being with the body of Christ as something we need to you know create a habit out of. Um, you mentioned you're uh, a pastor right now. You're filling in as a pastor for a church. Um, tell us a little bit about your understanding of community from a biblical perspective and how you handle it in your own life. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, from a biblical perspective, it's clear that God has called out his people. And there's there's something about iron and iron sharpening iron. There's something about the people of God gathering together and sharing life together and breaking bread together and praying together and evangelizing together. There, there's something about God's supernaturally taking people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different races, different economic levels, different academic backgrounds. And when he redeems us, he somehow takes us and makes us one to the point that when Jesus prayed multiple times in John 17, that the Father would make us one, he he said that so that the world may know that you sent me. There's, There's something, there's a witness about our unity that the world looks at us and says, I don't understand how you all connect as brothers and sisters in Christ. How do you become one? Well, God just does that. Mm. And if that's what God does in putting his body together, uh, it makes sense that Hebrews says to us, we we cannot forsake 
the gathering together because together we provoke each other to to good works even yeah. more so as we see the the day of the lord approaching and and so i think i think any sense of i i'm a christian i'm just avoiding church misses misses the the biblical picture com- completely mm. And I and I think that's where the healthiest churches I know uh, build strong small groups into their into their system, yeah. so that it's not just teaching, it's not just information. It is teaching, but more than that, it is it is life on life. Uh, so we're sharing life together and inviting others to share life with us. Mm-hmm. For us right now, to be real honest, I'm interim pastor at a church. I'm teaching a small group, but we're doing it via Zoom. Oh, yeah. And so COVID has gotten in the way of, of how do we best develop community uh, through the church, at least where I'm serving. What I've had to do is, is figure out how to get what I can out of that with my, with my pastoral staff, and and with my my team, my colleagues here at, at Southeastern, uh, those that I hang out with more than others, and feed off of that right now. But I but I long for that again when we're in a we're in a church officially interim. I, I love what I'm doing, but but there are folks trying to replace me every week. So <laughs> so it's a little hard to get as connected. I think connection is is huge. Yeah. And I, I say that. Jeff is I'm I'm very highly introverted. On on Myers Briggs, if I could go off the scale on <laughs> I, I would do it happily. Um, I'm not a person who feeds off of being with people, but I am smart enough to know because I've learned this the hard way. I cannot walk faithfully with God on my own. Mm. I need people who push me, who hold me accountable. I need students who are watching my life. Uh, I need I need the people of God around me. And even as an introvert, I I've got to make time for that. Mm, that's really good. And just on a side note, I like how you described uh, your way of being an introvert. It's not that uh, you don't need people. It's that like that doesn't give you energy. And yeah. so, but you still recognize that being around people is something you need. I mean, that's how God designed us. Yes. Yes. In fact, that's exactly how God designed us. When, when God said to Adam, it's, it's not good for the man to be alone. Yes. Um, he wasn't just that, talking about sex. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And it's prior to the fall. Yeah. It's, this is not a product of the fall. That's the way God made him. God made Adam with a need for the creator and a need for other people that, that God created. Yeah. And if the, the minute we think we don't need other people, it's not just a matter of our introversion. It's, it's a matter of our rebellion. Mm. That's fascinating. Wow. Hey, this, is, this has been so great, Dr. Lawless. I really appreciate all the suggestions you've given us, the, the insight into your own life. Hey, what is the address of the website where you share some of your blogs and some of your information? Sure. Thank you for asking. It's uh, www.chucklawless.com. Chuck, Real simple. Chuck Chucklawless.com. Chucklawless.com. All right. And we're going to set a link there for those of you who go to truthevolution.tv. We're going to link directly there to chucklawless.com. He's done a lot of writing, a lot of teaching. Go watch his videos. He's a great teacher all around. And man, I just tell you, you really did help me with my sermons in the last couple of months that we've met together. 
Uh, you've helped me a lot here with seeing what you do in your life. And I really know it's going to be beneficial for people who listen to this. Thanks for giving us your time. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. All right. God bless. God bless you.